and welcome to the podcast, you guys. So this is going to definitely be one of my earlier episodes, if not the first one. Um, I haven't done, you know, a lot of the intro music or anything like that. So uh, this could end up being a later one. This could end up being the first one. We'll see. But I did want to thank you for listening and welcome you to my podcast. Um, Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Today, I wanted to talk about... um, scarcity and abundance, a scarcity mindset. And I know a lot of times we hear this applied to uh, financial gurus, financial marketing, you know, calling things into your life, um, having a life of abundance. A lot of times people are referring to um, their financial state of being, their material objects, all that sort of thing. And today I actually want to talk to you about this in terms of dieting in terms of our relationship with food, um, as well as kind of go over the impact that this has on our family, our family environment. And if you are a coach or if you are a client working with a coach, uh, either just in weight loss, you know, lifestyle weight loss terms, or if you are a competitor. So a lot of our information will Kind of some of it will at times be geared towards competitors. I myself and am an NPC uh, bikini competitor. I do physique competitions as well as uh, studying for and should be finishing up if not finished by the time this is released a master's in clinical nutrition. So there is that kind of like that uh, merging of uh, these areas. So sometimes I'll specify if I'm speaking to a certain audience on things. Sometimes, you know, a lot of the information can still be applied to anyone, but there will be things that might be more situational. Um, so we'll kind of go over that as well. But I did want to talk about the abundance and scarcity mindset in terms of how that applies to our behaviors around food, um, how that impacts others in our lives, how if you're a coach, um, your relationship and your impact on your client, or if you are a client and feeling the impact from uh, maybe a coach or someone you're working with, uh, either in a positive or negative sense, how that can impact your um, relationship with food. This can also be affected by things like work stress, um, emails, finances, all those sorts of things can play into your behaviors, um, dieting wise, food wise, what you're craving, how you're eating, the behaviors you're going into. So let's kind of get started a little bit on this. Um, and I don't have any notes or anything right now. This is, like I said, one of the earlier podcasts and I've had a lot on my mind, um, about this topic. So I really just kind of wanted to, I guess, go off the cuff or just kind of like speak freely on this. Um, so this past weekend I did a bodybuilding competition. Um, it's not the first one I've done by any means. You always kind of learn as you're coming out of them and you learn as you're working with different coaches, different teams, you're working with yourself, you're in different phases of life. So everyone's learning experience. Um, so that being said, I just got back home. I competed yesterday, actually, literally yesterday, uh, this morning got up went to the dog park, brushed my dog, um, had a cup of coffee, sat with my husband. And a lot of times there is this trend to go out to eat, 
go, have multiple meals, and it's it's a good it's a good thing. Like re catch up with your family, have these moments. You know, go have dinner, go have a meal you haven't had yet in a while, go enjoy something like that. Um, but a lot of times people kind of put this event itself and the food itself on this pedestal, like. They haven't had it in forever. They're never going to have it again. This is the one window that they're ever going to have this food again. And that is still a scarcity mindset behavior. Um, and they have been in a, a place of scarcity possibly through their throughout this dieting phase. You don't have to be in a scarcity place just because your calories are low. You also don't have to be low calorie to be in a place of scarcity. So what I mean by that is you don't have to be living on, you know, bottom dollar, 1100, 900 calories, doing endless cardio. You know, your body is physically in a place of scarcity to have these behaviors. So you could be overfed. You could literally be in an abundant state calorically getting in very high amount of calories and still see a lot of these behaviors play out that that kind of can go into play when you have other um, stressors in your life other areas where you're feeling scarcity so maybe it's a scarcity of confidence you're not confident in yourself you're not confident at work you're feeling lesser you're feeling threatened you're not feeling like you have a safe space um, to be yourself is kind of where that comes from. There's, there's that scarcity of somewhere for you where within your perception where you have kind of like a deficit of confidence. You're lacking. You don't have an abundance of confidence. So that can kind of play out into having this scarcity versus abundance behavior. Maybe you're getting a lot of stressful emails and you feel like your livelihood is being threatened and there's scarcity there. Maybe your relationship is becoming unhealthy. Maybe you're concerned about paying the bills. So all of these things have nothing to do with caloric intake. You could be overeating. Um, you could be in a scarcity state of nutrients as well and still be overeating. So what that means, this is more of the nutritional side of things. That means you have been eating a lot of foods that are very palatable, very high calorie, very nutrient dense, um, or calorically dense. I'm sorry, got that backwards. Um, but they're not nutrient dense. This can also, you know, interweave with gut health. So maybe the gut lining itself is unhealthy and it's not absorbing nutrients it needs. Um, so you are not able to take them in when you digest them. So your body's still doing something with the calories, still, you know, breaking down the food. You might not be properly able to absorb all the nutrients. And so your body is actually still driving you to have these cravings to go get more food, to go get more nutrients because it still needs them. It's not, it's not either able to utilize them, they're not bioavailable, or absorb them even if they're coming in the system or you're not getting them. You're, you know, they, this is like when you see people are overeating on potato chips and junk food and stuff like that. Um, so high calories, low nutrient. That's kind of a nutritional scarcity and abundance sort of discussion. Um, but anyway, 
that's where it's like you can see these behaviors coming out even in an overfed state and an underfed state. A lot of times when you have competitors, you have someone who's been dieting for a while and they have this event um, that they've been looking forward to or there's an end date, they are still functioning in this scarcity state when they enter this phase of abundance like caloric abundance, um, event abundance, socializing abundance, and they still are kind of going about it with this scarcity-based behavior. And so that's when they're eating everything in sight, they're drinking everything in sight, you know, social events back to back to back. I have to revisit with everyone. I have to go out to eat with everyone. I have to try every restaurant in this city, especially if they're traveling. I'll never get to try a donut again in Florida. Okay, I'm sure other places have donuts. Um, I'm sure someone would be willing to share with you, have a nibble of it. And sometimes, you know, we get so driven in this like hunter-gatherer, you know, resource harboring. That's what you would see if you're looking at animals, it's called resource harboring. It's when they like, when your dog steals your underwear and goes and hides under the bed with it, or they're like, having that aggressive um, behavior around their food bowl. That's uh, them kind of portraying similar behaviors based on all this. So that's kind of what people start to do. So we've cleared the stressful event that was creating the scarcity, one of them, but we might still have others in our lives. Like maybe we didn't do as well at this competition. Maybe we didn't lose as much weight. Maybe, you know, we still have all these areas of our lives where we are feeling overwhelmed, Um, especially if you've been competing. A lot of times people, they're putting a lot into these shows and they are not, they're neglecting a lot of areas of their lives to where they're creating scarcity and they don't have abundance elsewhere in their life. And that's a very dangerous scenario, especially when they may not perform as well. So they, you know, spend 16, 20 weeks doing this competition. They prep for it. They, you know, might still do okay, but they don't do as well as they wanted to. They then have to, like, take a step back for a bit to do another show. They can't do one immediately back-to-back. You know, they really have to take time off to make progress sort of thing or to lose more weight or come into more conditioned or something along those lines. And that's, you know, added stress, prolonged state of scarcity, especially after this one day of, um, you know, where they're allowed to go eat and have this event and the event becomes more around all the food and treats and all that. And people really put all these foods up on a pedestal. And so... We start to see a lot of these behaviors play out. And a lot of it still has had nothing to do with the food. And it has everything to do with the food. So what I'm what I'm getting at here is if you are struggling with this sort of thing, a lot of the tools that are going to have to be utilized to address this are not going to be like calorie counting. They're not going to be tracking your macros. 
yes, these things are all still really good tools to utilize. You know, being able to step on the scale and see your weight, what it's doing, going up and down, um, is a great tool to utilize, especially if you're working with a coach or something, but it's not an end-all be-all. It's not something that we, you know, it's hard to not have emotional attachment to it. I totally get it. Um, but it also kind of does help put the, you know, break on things sooner than later. Um, but that being said, you know, we can't just have this all or nothing mindset with, I'm going to get back on it. I'm going to track my macros, you know, and a lot of times people, they don't know what they should do post-show in terms of macros, um, or when they should get back on it. That's another reason why, you know, working with a coach and having a reverse plan, that's very important. But also, part of that reverse plan is not just around your food. It's, okay, what are our goals? What's our next target? And there should be this buffer where you are allowed to decompress and just take the moment in, you know, enjoy, sit. A lot of people are uncomfortable with the quietness. And again... If they don't have a life of abundance outside of competing, outside of dieting for this event, and they're asked to sit for a couple days and just take some time to assess, you know, what their next goal is, what sort of timeline, are they in a good place for this, are they set up for this, Um, that can be uncomfortable. And that is the window when people really start to have these behaviors happen. And it's, you know, the overeating the the having to finish everything you know not even sharing like not even just a bite will do i have to try this this monster giant several thousand calorie cookie i'm gonna have every flavor i'm gonna have all of them i'm gonna eat the whole box of crumble cookies or they give you these giant cookies at events and stuff too and you end up with like multiple to take home and then people buy them and they take these like big cookie platters like they're gonna share with everyone And then they just eat the whole thing in the hotel room by themselves. Stuff like that. Like all these behaviors. Going out to eat. Going out for drinks. Going out for chips and everything. It's a lot for your body to take in. And then you throw in all these these other behaviors and stuff on top of it that drive this behavior. And people are not going to feel well. And it's not, you know, a great place to be set up for. So that's very competitor specific. I know, Um, but I really just, that is why I want to talk about all this stuff, because just because that is the norm and typical does not mean that just going home after taking a shower, um, maybe you're too fucking tired to go out for dinner, wait till tomorrow, you can still go home and have just a healthy dinner, you don't have to weigh it, you can if you want. But just going home and eating healthy food because you enjoy healthy food and letting 80% of your meals after still be what you were doing before, at least the same food types and stuff, just because that's not the typical or normal means that it shouldn't be or that we shouldn't try to at least have some of these be more normal or be more of the behaviors that we lean into and what we should kind of be encouraging. Um, Like I said, I drove home six hours. I got home at 2 a.m. I wanted to go home to my husband, not go out drinking with random strangers, I don't know, just because 
Um, and we didn't go out to dinner. We still haven't yet. We're kind of figuring out today if, when, what, where. And this is where I wanted to discuss too, even further. Um, so these behaviors and this abundance for scarcity mindset, it doesn't just impact you. And you're not the only one who feels it and portrays them. So this is why the relationship with your coach and coaches, why your impact on a client and why you should be able to discuss all this goes so much deeper because the people who live in that house with them are going to have behaviors that mimic these feelings um, and whatever this scenario, whatever the setup is, whether it's scarcity, abundance, um, it's very fight or flight, you know, very like hunter gatherer based sort of stuff. But they are going to portray similar behaviors. And they didn't sign up for this. They don't have a reason. They're not in a caloric deficit typically. So they don't have a reason to monitor these behaviors. If anything, they have more of a reason to lean into them. And that's going to be more added stress and added reason to like overeat and do all these behaviors for the competitor who's trying to mitigate all this. And if they can't talk to their coach about it, it's going to create more stress in their lives. It's going to create a more stressful environment, which is going to lead to more scarcity. And it's going to just, you know, we talk about monitoring cortisol levels and how this impacts your ability to lose or gain weight and sleep and all that sort of stuff. We talk about it so much. But when the people in your life are also put in this scenario and they didn't sign up for it, like we really have to monitor ourselves and have reason to put the work in after the show that is not related to it or after the diet, after the wedding, after the whatever. And then so many people are just like, well, what do I do now? It's like, this is what you do now. You prioritize these things in your life. The abundance of your life shouldn't be the cookies and treats. The abundance should be all the things you've been neglecting possibly. It should be getting back to those. It should be nurturing them. It should be caring about them. It should be focusing on those things and appreciating them. And the whole phase, the whole time you're going through all this, like, you know, being aware of how they're impacted by it and leaning into nurturing them after the fact and that will be abundance. That is your abundance that you're needing. And I promise you, your behavior and your relationship with food is going to be better for it. And one example by that. So my husband, you know, he enjoys going out to dinner as much as anyone. Probably more than I do. So if I am having issues with this scarcity mindset, he's going to pick up on it. He wants to go to, he'll want to go to like, oh, you can eat buffets. He'll want to go somewhere where um, he has ample options, opportunities, because he feels the scarcity that I might tell him that we can't go out to eat to dinner for a while. And I'm not able to give him an end in sight. I'm not able to tell him, oh, don't worry, by this day or by next week or by, you know, I'll get another refeed at this point. Sometimes if it's a routine, like every Friday, that's cool. Okay, cool. I can do every Friday. Um, letting him pick, letting him have say in it, and not just telling him, no, it has to be this meal. 
My coach says it has to be this food. My coach says it has to be a burger and fries. My coach says it has to be pancakes. My coach says it has to be steak and potato. Okay? Well, why can't we have the food that he grew up with or the food that I love? Like one meal of just that. Just go pick something off of the menu. Just cook something at dinner you actually enjoy that you haven't cooked in a while because the macros don't fit right or it's too much to track or something like that. Just having an abundance of enjoyment and time together and appreciation and abundance of those things that you've neglected. Like we can still do that when we're in these phases. So if he is having that taken away from him, he's going to start to have that, uh, that kind of like aggressive scarcity mindset behavior himself. So now we're both in it. So now I'm stressed by his behaviors because he's starting to portray this this reaction to the scenario I put him in. Multiply that times kids, times pets even. If you start to see that your dog has become really food aggressive or territorial or just kind of like irritable, you might want to check yourself. You might want to pay more attention. You might want to monitor, you know, just your level of how you're reacting to your prep and sometimes that is as much as telling yourself like just quitting the narrative that you don't like healthy food who says you don't have to like it try harder make it taste better season it the way you want it make other choices vegetable wise start to season food in the ways you like them um, if you find that you really are craving sweets all the dang time you know Find sweeter ways of foods that you enjoy. But also, just nurture these other areas. Get a little busy. <laughs> I promise you the best appetite suppressant is being too busy to fucking eat. Um, everyone always asks about, like, how do I end sugar cravings or, you know, this sort of stuff. Don't be so busy that you get in this, like, you have forgotten to eat and now you're eating hunched over in the kitchen and you're not sitting down to eat. Because that is also kind of goes back into that scarcity behavior. But also, you know, don't let competing or dieting for something or whatever be the end all be all. The only thing consumed that your life like is consumed by. Because then when it ends or when, you know, that's all you've got going on and you've neglected everything else and you have a shitty job, you have stressful emails, you're not able to pay your bills those behaviors are going to come out and those cravings are going to come out and you have nothing else to just go sit and appreciate and enjoy. That is so much more when you have those quiet moments after, when you have to, when the things end and they happen and they slow down, that those are so wonderful and valuable that you don't have those. And then all you have is this like, hmm, I'm really bored. I didn't do as well as I wanted. I didn't reach a goal yet. I'm really hungry. I'm really tired. I'm really stressed out. I'm really overwhelmed. The only way I know to deal with this is to just lean into this craving that I have and just buckle. Because I can't just mindset over this anymore. I can't just push through this anymore. Because now you're pushing through just a shitty day all around. Everything is stressful. And then you just, all you do what? You crumble? You, have, you go all in, all overboard? 
this all-in mindset when you could just, you know, take the food off the pedestal. Want a bite? Have a bite. It's not the end of the world. If not, just it'll be there tomorrow. Like it'll, there will always be food for most people. If not, then that is a whole nother area to discuss. But majority of us, at least in the U.S., at least in America, like if it really came down to it, you could go buy a cookie wherever. You could go get it. You could go have it. But there are other things you can't just go get and have and replace and fill in. And those are things that, you know, after the show, like, those are things I miss. Is like, just sitting quietly in the mornings and not having to get up and do cardio and just, you know. And like I said, my husband's behavior. We sat this morning at the dog park. We discussed where we want to go to eat. His choices and his behaviors all are different. When I'm asking where he wants to go and there's not an end in sight where I'm going to take it away from him again. And if there is, I know when my next show is. I know what sort of window. I'm not telling him that I have to eat this meal because someone told me to. I'm not telling him that for, like, consistency reasons. I have to eat this meal that I don't even enjoy. Coaches. That I don't even respond well to. That does not honor, you know, the other person's preferences. There's no reward sometimes for the foods that people are eating. Part of that refeed or part of that, you know, going back out, having that dinner is the majority of it is the mindset, the lowering of stress. You know, yes, we're addressing leptin and ghrelin and this appetite, you know, suppressing and stimulating hormones. But we also are addressing stress and cortisol and cravings and all that sort of stuff and resetting. And a lot of that is just sitting and being able to take in the environment, the moment, and appreciating it and uh, for some people they're so terrified that they won't get this again as opposed to focusing on being in the moment they're worried that the moment is going to be a one-time occurrence whereas I could sit and have the healthiest dinner on the planet I could eat fish and rice with my husband every night and appreciate it and enjoy it and that's gonna let me enjoy these foods and appreciate these foods and view them you know, with just as much appreciation because he's there, because that moment's there as the burger and fries, as a nice fancy event, as all those sorts of things. So it's kind of taking food off the pedestal and making it about being with him, being present, whether we're at my dining room table or at a fancy dinner. Do I appreciate going to the fancy dinner? Yes, of course, because that's money that we both worked for and we're able to spend that time together and I've gone to the ends of the earth and backwards to have this person in my life and I will discuss that a lot more on further episode but if we're creating scenarios where we're not taking this person into account we're putting them through this we're putting ourselves through this we're neglecting the children in our lives what they're wanting we're getting upset and grumpy with them for wanting to have snacks in the house around us we're trying to tell them they can't. Now they are definitely going to have that scarcity mindset next time there's a treat offered to them. To our partners, they're going to be resentful. To our pets, like they just kind of pick up on vibes. They are a mirror. If your dog is, like I said, if your dog's having food aggression, 
might want to check yourself because they are empathic as hell. They're going to reflect whatever they're feeling. I can't explain to my dog that my coach dropped my macros today. She doesn't know any better. She not know that that's why I'm giving off these grumpy hormones, these grumpy neurotransmitters. I don't have the carbs to create serotonin right now to be in a good mood. And the way she picks that up is our, our tribe is threatened. Our pack is being threatened. We're going to run out of food. I have to eat it all. I have to store it on my body for later. She doesn't know any better, so the dog is in the mirror. Check yourself. Um, but that being said, your relationship with your coach, your perception of these things as an athlete, your all of this affects those around you. So those are the things that should be the priority after the show and through the process. And when you get to the, the end point... I promise you that by prioritizing those and nurturing those, the day after, the day of, all those things will not be so so bad. It will not be so hard because you will be so appreciative and thankful just to have these quiet moments and you will know that those are things you should be prioritizing and enjoying. It'll just be so much more the norm for you that when that event comes... Whether you do great and you're celebrating or you don't do as well and now you're contemplating what your next move is, there's not this couple of days that turns into weeks, this gray area where you have these behaviors that are based on this mindset. And if you are working with someone who is creating one that is not the best and you don't feel that the conversation is one that you can have or one that's being heard or something to where these behaviors are becoming an issue and you can't correct them yourself, then maybe it's time to take a step back. Some behavioral things that you can work on though, um, now I wanna get into this as well because we have talked about the whys and the things to recognize you know, in our lives and why it's not just food. Because keep in mind, we have not talked at all about calories, macro split, any of that. But some things that you can do behavior-wise that will help with this. Um, one, I do not like to eat around my dog. Some dogs are great. My little fluffy muffin, Sophie, she's fine. My beagle, she begs at me. She whines at me. She stares at me while she eats or while I eat. And she's begging for food and pawing at me. Guess what? If I'm hungry and my macros are low, you bet I tracked every fucking grain of rice in that bowl. And you're not getting it. <laughs> I will lick the bowl before I let you dog. That is abundance and scarcity right there. But her behaving like that makes it hard for me to ignore her. And behaviorally, you start to eat quicker. You start to eat with this hunch in your back. You start to be irritable. You're starting to get into that fight or flight stage. You're not in that rest and digest phase. So I don't like to eat with my dog around me if she's doing that. If she's not doing it, it's fine. But I really don't like to let her do that. Um, if you can, you know, train them not to do that in general. And it's just stuff like don't let them lick the bowl. Or only let them do it in the kitchen sort of thing. Um, or like not eating on the couch with them staring at you. That's one. Another, instead of just standing in the kitchen hunched over. Again, anytime you find yourself hunched. Like you're like a animal that's like eating over a fresh kill, <laughs> you know, or like imagine an animal that 
lives in the streets and they're eating over, you know, something they stole or your dog got a pair of underwear and they're trying to run under the bed with it or something like that and they're like growling. If you find yourself hunched over eating like that, you probably need to take a step back. You're probably not chewing as adequately as you should be. You're probably not tasting things as adequately as you should be. Take a breather. Whether it is three rice cakes and you're putting some peanut butter on them and a little bit of stevia so there's that balance of sweet and salty. Sit down at a table, slow down, start chewing slowly, you know, set the mood, be a little calmer. Pour yourself a glass of like almond milk, something low calorie, flavored water, something, and just, you know, count chews or something. A lot of times I just like to, even if it's three rice cakes, put it on a plate and go sit down and eat it. That's mostly when I'm at home. So I get it, not everyone, if they're sitting at their desk and whatnot, they can do this. It's really annoying to sit at a desk while you're working. I don't know how people do it sometimes. Um, but that's kind of my rule of thumb is if I'm eating at home, I like to at least be like seated, slowed down, and I like to enjoy my meals at home more. So even if everything is portioned out and weighed, I want to eat on real plates. I want to eat with real silverware. I want it at the temperature that I want it at. I don't want to be neurotic about it. But that's kind of helps me ease and slow down and sleep and feel more like there's abundance of food is when I'm at my home and I can sit down and enjoy that meal and it tastes good and it's hot and I can eat slower and it's seasoned the way I want it. If you can't do that for every meal, don't try. Because again, we don't want to put food on the pedestal. If you're super busy all day, you know, I know a lot of people get really hung up on like all the little nuances when they're in prep, but you know, either make sure it's the way you like it, but don't get too hung up on eating that meal when you're sitting in your car, the taste of it, all that. Try to be mindful of eating slow so you're not inhaling it. But if you have the macros, you can shift them around. Try to at least make it so that you can have at least one meal at home that's enjoyable to you. Whether it's fish and vegetables and rice, season it the way you want it. Cook it in an actual saute pan. Heat it up and take it out of the plastic container. Already I just don't reheat things in plastic first off. Um, I'll pack it in a plastic container. I'll store it, but I'm not reheating it in it. Um, but at least have one meal that's hot and that you're sitting down. It's seasoned and you enjoy it. And that's how you get to the point where it's like, I just fucking love vegetables. I just love fish. And I know I sound like an idiot saying that, but I love my cooking. And it's not just because I was a chef for so long, which that sounds like a brag, but it's really hard, honestly, for those of us in the industry to use that term unless you have held that title. It took a while. I worked really hard at it. I was pretty good. But I did get up to that title. And it's not just because that. It's because I really enjoy setting the mood and setting the moment. And I love vegetables. I love how I feel when I eat healthy foods. I don't like how I feel when I eat inflammatory oils and foods and fatty foods and fries. So I don't crave those. I also wasn't raised on them. So a lot of times the foods that you are having that reward mindset to are things that like maybe you grew up on. So those are going to have a different neurotransmitter based response. So you are going to get some more serotonin. You are going to have that, you know, that little bit of a bump and a reset and your cortisol levels are going to come down. If that is you, that's okay. That's great. That's, you know, 
enjoy them in moderation, but don't put them on a pedestal sort of thing. Appreciate the moment and the abundance that they are in your life when you do get those moments to have those foods. And appreciate them from a sense of abundance and gratefulness and thankfulness, but not a scarcity one that that is the only time you're ever going to get it. Like, yes, it's wonderful that we get grandma's dessert once a year at this event. But don't change the narrative that I only get this once a year at this event. I have to eat as much of it as possible. Create a food memory bank. Remember how that tastes. Remember how it felt. Remember the memory that you had when you were there. Why is it so important? Because of grandma. Not because of the food itself. Not because it's a freaking you know, Duncan Hines cake mix that she whips up and puts chocolate pudding and whipped topping on and crumbles Reese's or Butterfingers or something because that's how a lot of those dump cake recipes are. So if we only looked at it like that, what's so great about it? If we looked at it from the point of view that my grandma makes it every year since I was a kid, like my grandma makes Robert Redford. It is a dessert that I will always remember my grandma fanning herself over because he was such a delicious man that they made a dessert after him. <laughs> oh my. Like fanning herself like, oh, oh. And she brought it to every gathering. And that is the one that she always made. Hers was the best. And she's even made healthy versions of it. My mom makes baklava. She makes healthy versions of baklava, which is not something you have in a small town. So it's amazing that she can even do that and very impressive. And she mails it to us. Like she will put it in a box and pack it up and send it in the mail. If I see baklava when I'm out and about, I don't buy it. I don't have an emotional attachment to the baklava that I saw at Publix today. Maybe a little bit more than something that doesn't remind me of her. So I have no emotional attachments to donuts. I've not had moments with donuts. A ton of them anyway. They've just existed in like random places. They just appear. Like, oh, an office. These donuts magically appeared. Baklava, when I see it in a store, yeah, I think of my mom. My mom's not Greek. I just think of her. She's a small town woman from Indiana. I think of her. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to buy that one. She didn't make it and pack it and put it in Publix. So I'm going to appreciate the memory that I just had standing there for free. For free. You're going to have free moments. Free abundance. That's how abundant living in a state of abundance is. It's no calories. Zero calories. And it's free. What could be better? So that is how, you know, that mindset can kind of like have a positive impact on your dieting. If I, every time I saw baklava, was sad and thought, I'm never going to have it again, it's right there. Like, I don't get it. I don't get to enjoy it. And it's right there and I could if I wanted to and I can't because they told me not to. If I really wanted to, I'd just, like, manipulate my macros around and have a bite, like one. Be like, oh. And you know what I would say? Eh. It's not as good as my mom's. Meh. Eh. Meh. Because I have that memory database that I've built up, that emotional food taste database, where I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, hmm, I remember what that tastes like. That one's probably not as good as my mom's. That's probably not as good as the one that I had at Bistro, you know, 1830 or, you know, whatever, this small little privately owned restaurant in Louisville, or that, you know, I used to eat with, you know, uh, dinner rolls. Okay, there's one. Thanksgiving dinner rolls. Um, dinner rolls bring to me, my grandma used to make like sweet yeast dinner rolls from scratch, and they're amazing and soft and fluffy and wonderful. I think of hers. 
dinner rolls. I think of Chef Castro. And I think of us working our asses off all Thanksgiving. And when you're a chef, you're giving other people that abundance, that moment. You're giving them that moment with their grandma in exchange for yours. So culinary people, they love what they're doing so much. They love cooking and creating those moments. We understand that it's the moment and you're creating that abundance for other people. They really might only get that once. And it's not my food that's so wonderful. It's the fact that they're sitting there with whoever they're with and they work their asses off to be able to pay for that and they made reservations sometimes and they are not gonna be able to afford to do it again. They don't have the time to do it again. They might never go on a second date with this person. They might never sit down with this significant other again. We give hours for them to have that. So if we want you to taste something, I want it to taste the, the absolute best to you the way I made it. I want it to taste like your grandma made it and I did it. Like I knew exactly how she would have wanted you to have it. And I want you to, to have that, that so badly that I'm willing to give up a lot in my life for it. So we are able to live without. So when I think of dinner rolls, I think of the end of the night standing there with Chef Castro. And a lot of chefs just want simple food. And you've been so hungry. The best chef is a hungry chef, honestly. Food always tastes better when you're hungry. And just tearing into like that last dinner roll. And us both just putting like equal parts bread and butter, cold pats of butter. And it wasn't fancy butter. It's just the pats at a restaurant. But we're tired and we've worked and we've accomplished this amazing event for hundreds and hundreds of people with this like rickshaw crew of culinary students because this was a um, teaching kitchen. This is when I worked for uh, the culinary university that I went to. I was a catering chef, but we also cross worked with a lot of the um, teaching kitchens and programs like that. So we worked with a lot of students, um, which was really fun, really impactful. But I just remember standing there exhausted you know, several days of long shifts to do a Thanksgiving dinner for everyone. And just having that one dinner roll at the end of the night with more butter than is necessary and big flaky kosher salt. And that's how I like my bread and butter is like that. I want a ton of cold butter on warm bread. I want it so cold and thick that it doesn't melt and turn into liquid and it's gone. I want to be able to bite the butter. And I want the salt to be flaky enough that it actually hits my tongue and it's not lost in the butter, like in something. I want flake salt so that it hits your tongue and has a separate taste itself. And I want the cold and I want the creamy and I want to feel the, my teeth sinking into the butter and then tear into the bread. I want the bread to be soft and like smushed by my teeth. I want it to come down a little bit and have some pull away. But then still, like, like, I don't want it to fully dissolve when I chew it, but I want it to be chewable, but I want it to be soft. And that's like a yeast dinner roll. I want crunchy breads to be crunchy. I want to hear them when I squeeze them, but I want them to give away when I squeeze them. I want that crunch noise and that, and I want to feel like it's like an eggshell shattering. But then, and I want to hear the scrape when you spread stuff on it, the schmear. But I want to feel it give in the middle when I spread things. And I want to have holes to hold things, like... Like I can see it, um, you can see the structure. You wanna see all the little holes. And that's something that bakers look for. Like that's how you would look at the quality of breads is to see the like the different holes and understanding like 
the amount of time that goes into having those properly made and to the moisture content in the oven to have the crust on the bread to be proper and how much rise is given and how much you know the yeast and science and everything to create that just enough rise to where it doesn't overproof underproof there's too many bubbles there are big gapy holes no I can't then my toppings my spread goes spread through you tear it all those sorts of things and it's not just the science aspect of it like they nailed it it's the fact that for someone to nail it science-wise, they gave up a lot in their life to learn how to do that. And they spent hours doing that. And when you're baking, yes, you understand the science of it, but you also understand that like your emotional state of being changes the pH of the bread. Whether you're super stressed and there's salt going into it and your hands are sweating and they're too hot and you will bake a loaf of anxiety if you are not in a good place. And I've completely gone off topic. I know we talked about not putting food on a pestle, but all of these things are moments. They're appreciation. They are experiences. And those are all things that, that I keep with me. And, you know, they let me not buckle every time I see a piece of bread. Because, you know, I don't have that, like, eh. It's like, I appreciate the work that went into it, but I don't need to taste it again sort of thing unless I'm with someone and we're having a moment and I will have many more moments with them because I nurture the people in my lives and I'm enjoying that part of it it's not just the food I will have meals again whether they're glamorous or simple because a lot of times the foods we crave they're not at a fine dining restaurant they're not fancy People are not, like, burger and pizza and french fries. Guess what? They're cheap. You can get it at a gas station if you want it that bad. So all of that being said, keep in mind all of these things that we've discussed when we're talking about post-show, dieting, like creating an abundant life. You know, creating one where the things that are so valuable, you're nurturing them and you are busy. I've, this has been the busiest year of my life and the most balanced year of my life. I came home and I knew I had to work on homework. I knew I wanted to unpack. I knew I wanted to get my food and my meal prep and my stuff ready for the next day. I knew I wanted to make sure that my digestion and my body were back in functioning order so that I wasn't bloated for three days. So I didn't use the bathroom for three days. You know, that sort of stuff. Because that all makes it so that I can keep nurturing the things that I care about in my life. I knew I wanted, wanted to work on homework because I want to finish my master's degree because I want to take care of people and share with them. And I want to be able to help clients the way that my coaches help me because I understand that my relationship with my clients doesn't just impact me. It impacts their children. It impacts their career. It impacts their partner. It impacts their relationship with their partner. And their relationship with their partner impacts their ability to keep doing the diet, to reach for the goals, to keep competing. And whether just someone who wants to lose some weight, guess what? Every little meal you have a day, every breakfast, every lunch, dinner, snack, is an opportunity to change your life. And I understand that because I did it. Because if you're able to make a healthy decision and you're not there's not analysis paralysis around every single meal and you understand what's going on and how amazing and beautiful and wonderful it is impacting your life, 
and you start to feel healthier. You start to have these simple little aha moments. I want to give people aha moments. And that's how they learn. And so then they start seeing the results from breakfast. They start seeing why they should choose a healthier breakfast. They start seeing the results from lunch, dinner, all the little snacks, and why this snack is better than that snack, and why they shouldn't maybe, they can still love that food and not have it. And then six months from now, come back to it and still love it and enjoy it then. Or keep going on with their life and still have the memories they created with it. But in that amount of time, maybe they've made enough little changes that now they're confident enough to apply for a job that they never thought they were qualified for. Maybe the single mother finally said, you know what? Screw letting someone else take the fucking promotion. I'm applying for it. And she lives in a state of abundance now that she actually bought the outfit for the interview to show up to work in. She lost weight and she feels body confident enough to where she bought herself some clothes that actually fit. And she actually feels pretty in them. That's abundance. And guess what? By neglecting the job, by being too stressed about how many calories and not being able to have this snack and I'm too low this and I'm too low that and I'm too tired this and I hate that and I hate healthy food and I got a shitty email. By creating all this scarcity that is not necessary, we don't have abundance in other areas of our lives to thrive. So we can, you know, go about it some very different ways and still do the same damn thing. That's why I'm passionate about all this stuff. So that's why when I come home, I'm not as concerned with dinner and what I'm going to eat. I don't even know still. I competed yesterday. I took first in my class, by the way, and that was a huge accomplishment. Um, The areas that I'm working on creating abundance in, abundance of confidence in sharing things like this and speaking like this. Um, you know, abundance in taking care of the people in my life, my dogs, uh, my husband, our house that we just bought, you know, actually unpacking and getting things sorted, giving that the time and energy that it deserves over trying to decide how many fucking donuts I can shove in my mouth. Like, I don't have time for that because I have so many other areas in my life that are abundant to me that I am so excited to give back to now that I've walked off stage. So I've created the abundance. I don't have the scarcity, so I don't have the drive to go get the calories because of the scarcity. No one has told me, my coach has not told me, which they don't really have to, but they haven't told me, like, don't go eat the whole box of donuts. Like, they hope and pray and wish you don't because that's something they'll have to deal with. And... Yeah, they could limit your macros all damn day and try and get you back on plan. But the guilt and everything that you're feeling, that's just going to, like, spiral things worse. And it's hard to explain all of this stuff when you're a coach because sometimes people have already neglected so many areas that it's like the the amount of work that they have to turn around and do that is not, it doesn't feel like it's on track with what they were shooting for. So it's like they've already put all their eggs in this basket And now they, you know, they couldn't, they didn't make the thing they were trying to make. Like, it's like when you like crack too many eggs in a pan and you're trying to make it over easy and all the yolks break. Well, maybe you shouldn't have cracked all the eggs. Well, maybe you should have been okay with an omelet. I don't know. It's an analogy. But 
the point is that they have been putting all the eggs in this basket and some coaches really push people to do that. That when they get to that end point and they had been so stressed and neglecting all the other areas, their cortisol was through the roof, they were too tired to actually crush their workouts even though they told you they were. You know, they didn't, they had to keep driving, doing more cardio and neglecting other things. They weren't able to really put the intensity behind things as much as they mentally were making things intense. Intensity and being intense and feeling stressed and overwhelmed, they're not all the same thing. So that when they walk off that stage, no matter what they did, and it doesn't matter what you've done, because I've won first, I've won my class before, I've taken lower rankings and been just as, I've been happier on those days, I've done well on some days, and walked off that stage and drove home and known that I got a lot of other work to do and been really lacking in abundance in other areas of my life. And it's hard, and that's when the behaviors come out because you get home and you're like, now fucking what? And you're standing there in your kitchen alone and you either have all the snacks, I do not food hoard. But if you do, that's, you know, they're there. <laughs> they're there when you're done. The foods I do hoard are my prep foods. So that's another tip. Whenever I get off stage and I get home, I always make sure that I have overcooked and overprepped food so that I always have some protein available. I always have veggies available, whether it's something that I portioned out completely. Um, I put, you know, if I know that I have three meals typically on a work day and I was meal prepping proteins and I, I made three extra portions of protein, depending on how long I'm gonna be out of town or traveling, I make sure I have those in the freezer. Maybe I've got some extra veg or rice cooked off even. Rice cakes, make sure you leave some at home. Something so that you have at least a meal that you can eat when you get in the door. A day's worth before you go to the grocery store. Um, enough to pack for work the following day if you really are pushing it time-wise. Set yourself up in that manner. Also, set yourself up so that when you are finished with the show, you don't run out of your meals. You have meals that you can eat on the way home. You have protein available, you have fish available, you have rice. If you throw it away, that's fine. But at least make sure that you're covered because what you honestly wanna do is still have some of those meals and even if they're not as good as the ones that you're wanting to go out and get, don't make it so that going out and getting are your only option because you will have lots of opportunities to do that. You will have an abundance of opportunities to eat shit after the show. Hold on. I might just, I might just edit that out. I'm gonna say that again, because the car just drove by. You'll have an abundance of opportunities to eat bullshit after the show. So make sure that you have an abundance of healthy options available as well. So that you're not stuck in that scenario where that is your only choice. You don't want a scarcity of the meals and food that you've eaten consistently for six months. Why would you consistently eat that way and then turn your back on it like it's not an option? Like that's, why would you create all these habits and good routines? And like, if you're gonna eat that food for six months, you might as well make it a way that you like so that you get such a reward from the way you look and feel that you create associations to where you're like, no, I like this food. 
because your body and your mind will create that association where it's like, I like the results. I like the way I feel. I like the way I mentally am because I've worked on other areas in my life so much that while I can, hold on. That while I can appreciate the foods that remind me of my grandma, my grandma didn't make them and put them in a gas station, so I don't have to eat them right now. And even if she did, then they're even more abundant than, no, but honestly, like you can, you can still appreciate those foods for what they gave you, that moment, that emotion, and not have to eat them in that moment to feel that emotion. Emotions and moments are free. You get to relive them in the memories. That's the beautiful, wonderful thing about it. They are calorie free. The things that aren't and that you might actually not have an abundance of if you neglect them, the healthy relationships, healthy habits, a healthy digestive system, a home, a thriving career outside of being on stage for one day, whether you're in the industry or not, whether you are just an athlete or a coach or not, neglecting these other things, neglecting your clients, neglecting your partner, neglecting your clients' partners, you are going to have a scarcity in your life, my friend, of clients, of payroll, of confidence. So no, this is not diet-related, but... So nurturing all these things, though, that definitely affects your diet and your behavior. So there are things, like I said, sitting down when you're eating, leaving meals prepped behind, um, you know, extra prep on food, um, and just making sure, even just like an 80-20 rule after, keeping an abundance of the healthy foods that you've been eating throughout prep, switching them out to foods that you like if you don't, um, making sure that you eat one hot meal or one, one meal you really enjoy the flavor of and the seasonings of at the end of the day, even through prep, but not putting it on a pedestal to where you're going to overeat it. Yes, you can overeat. You can binge eat some caramel rice cakes, I promise you. And then you're going to feel that like scarcity, like hunched eating behavior come in. And you, you can overeat the whole bag of them, I promise. You'll go over on macros in that way and you'll still have the mental guilt. So just things like that, sitting down. If you're only going to have three, sit down. Go sit down and enjoy those three. Um, seasoning foods the way you like. Sitting down and eating them slowly and seasoning them the way you like it. If you like your rice cakes with a, like using some olive oil spray to add more flaky, big flaky salt on them, buy the nice salt. You know, buy the nicer foods because... This is what I get for recording outside. Buy the nicer flaky salts and stuff like that, the little things, because the great thing about dieting, you're eating less. You can splurge a little. <laughs> so I hope all of this helps, by the way. Um, and like I said, it's not just about dieting or counting calories or macros. In fact, we have not talked any about that. It's about making sure that you're taking care of yourself, the people around you, the mindset, the healthy behaviors, and of course, doing things like eating a meal and then going for a walk, you know, um, making sure that your digestion is in check and things like utilizing L-glutamine as a supplement, drinking lemon juice, walking. Um, I don't eat foods that are super palatable while I'm at work. 
I kind of like don't waste my time. I stay busy. Make sure you stay busy. Make sure you're still prioritizing all those things that you love to do to stay busy so that post-show, you're pretty busy. Not overwhelmingly so, so that adds stress. But the- I want to take a break and discuss some of the brands that have helped support me in creating a life and mindset of abundance. Now, some of these I am working with directly and sponsored by. Some of them I just love. Um, and I utilize. So the first one is uh, Legendary Foods, uh, Tasty Patries, and their sweet cinnamon rolls. Those are amazing, and I would recommend them to anyone. I've known some of the people working within the company for a while now, just through social media, being online, um, prior to them entering the company, and they introduced me to this product before I ever partnered or began working with them, and I was telling my mom, my grandma, my sister-in-law, about just how amazing these are. And if you're someone who has a hard time with kind of giving up the sweets and the pastries and the processed foods and goods, um, we don't have to have this all or nothing mindset that those sorts of things and liking those foods is bad first off, not a bad thing. But if you kind of are needing some help in transitioning or just having a more balanced life or want to have some products that you can still enjoy that satisfy that taste, check these out these are amazing and they're they're typically around 180 calories you know 20 grams of protein low sugar gluten free that's a big one for me and they just digest so well and they're an actual pastry so calorie wise nutrient wise they're on par with some of the best protein bars but guys these are an actual pastry they're not like a three by one inch bar that tastes like a pastry so that's my first one check those out The second is that if you need any supplement recommendations, I can always make those for you and reach out to me directly because we can set up a plan for you. I work through Fullscript so we can discuss some individualized needs and take a look at areas where maybe you need something more specific. Maybe you're lacking in an area, but we can go through and I can make some recommendations based on what we discuss and provide those to you through my practitioner account on full script. So that's another way that I want to support my community. The third one is in creating a life of abundance. I found that I was buying clothing from kind of a scarcity mindset. I would, you know, not let myself spend money on nice things, but I would spend way too much on cheap clothes. And if I found one tank top I liked, I'm gonna buy one in every color and not care if it gets torn up or crappy. I was spending more money with those behaviors than if I just lived abundantly and invested in good quality clothing. The thing was, I still wanted it to support me, my business, my family, and COVID kind of threw that for a loop for everyone. So I did end up, I was introduced to a brand through a friend that's really high quality, really good quality clothing but they have athleisure wear, but also professional wear as well um, and layerable items. So this filled a huge gap for me where I needed clothes that I could go to the gym in, but then throw on and still look professional if I had to meet with someone in person or hop on a Zoom call as a practitioner. So that is why I partnered with the brand Savvy. You can find the link in my info to shop with me directly and send me a message if you have any more questions on that. And again, This wasn't just to, you know, buy some cute clothes for myself, maybe consider a tax write-off, which 
If that's what you want to do, hit me up. I will help you navigate that. But it was also something where my mom, who lives in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, all of a sudden couldn't find clothing that was professional without ordering it on Amazon or driving an hour into the city. And especially through the past couple of years, that hasn't been doable. You know, her she was limited to maybe Walmart. That was still a 20, 30, 40 minute drive. So I wanted to provide that to people. So if that's something that you are interested in as well, that has helped me create a life of abundance because I'm not wasting money on bulk, cheap clothing. If I really feel like I need it, I'll buy it for myself through this brand and it supports me and my own business. But I also am more mindful in thinking of like, okay, do I need that? Do I like that? Do I love that? And the the quality is there. So the clothing lasts longer. Um, There are some other brands that I work with as well. Um, I work with Extend if you are wanting to look at some protein supplements. Uh, L-glutamine is one that I recommend as well, another supplement, and Cellucor and Extend do provide supplement for that as well. That's one that I love for gut health. So I am working with that brand additionally, and if you are looking to make a purchase through them or they're one of your favorite brands too, you can use the code BUFFSHIF and that will save you as well. So let's get back to the episode. I will quit boring you guys with rambling about brands. If you want to skip through this or already did, that's fine. I don't blame you at all. Thanks though for listening. So I had to head on inside. I was recording earlier while I was walking. So if it sounds different, that's why. But I did just want to wrap up this episode and say, I know we've covered a lot today and I just wanted to reiterate that these are all tips and mindset shifts and these can be utilized in just lifestyle, in dieting, in your life in general, whether you are trying to gain or lose weight, whether you are just trying to focus on your health, on your gut health, on your blood glucose regulation, whether you're just trying to make healthier choices in general. Um, whether you're tracking macros or not at all, whether you're, you know, utilizing some sort of tools, a meal plan, etc., um, they're not required to use a lot of the things we've discussed today. And this can be applied in whatever phase you are in. Now, I do recommend that a lot of these tools, if you are in some sort of competition prep, or even if you're you know, dieting for an event, a wedding or something along those lines, try to implement these changes throughout your journey. You know, try to, to learn these mindsets and to learn these thought patterns, um, whether, you know, you're working on your gut health or anything, cognitive behavioral changes are one of the best tools you can utilize to make changes to your gut health, to your health in general, to how you, your relationship with food, Um, how you view food, how you view how your body responds to it, how you respond to nutrients and certain uh, ingredients, things like that, Um, intolerances. But also, as we've discussed, your relationship with your family, your friends, um, your response to stressful events and how you perceive them, your perception of these things is how your body hears and interprets and understands the scenarios that you are going through. Um, you know, regardless of caloric intake, food intake, somewhat. Um, while those things do matter, 
while, you know, you're not going to mindset your way out of um, highly caloric oils and inflammatory fats and, you know, just eating whatever under the sun and just having, you know, a good abundant mindset about it. That's not what is being said here. What's being said here is, um, you know, that your perception is going to change, you know, how you interpret life, um, how you feel about your life before and after an event or a competition. And it's going to make it much easier, more pleasant, more happy, more rewarding, regardless of the end results. Um, And again, this is going to help make it easier after the show when you are transitioning into a different phase because that is necessary the event is a one-day thing it it occurs it passes and you do have to go back to your normal life and it has to be a healthy sustainable one or transition in that direction of course when we're in a diet phase or prep competitors of course a lot of things are done are not balanced they're not sustainable but they can be transitioned and built on to shift in that manner, in that direction. We don't have to abandon everything we've learned and done and habits. We can have it stack and build on them. And, you know, we can utilize our perception of these things to slowly transition and improve without it being a drastic, dramatic, um, and possibly damaging event or occurrence. And we can really maximize you know, what we've done. Um, a lot of these tools are also going to help us with things like, while we do want to listen to what our body needs, there are other aspects of our body we don't, we can hear and recognize, but maybe not fully listen to. So what I mean is maybe we're going to intuitively understand that we're craving something. Maybe it means we need something of that nature. I'm just craving watermelon and chocolate. Maybe I need magnesium. Um, And yes, it does help to have a little bit of that, you know, not like we said earlier, put it on a pedestal. But also maybe we don't need to fully, we can recognize we have an increase or decrease in our appetite. But maybe that's, you know, one of those areas where we don't need to fully listen, um, to all the suggestions our body and brain are making for us because they're going to be making them based on our perception. Maybe we were in a bit of a scarcity mindset. Okay, our body is going to interpret that as we need a lot and we need it right now. So maybe we haven't been able to maintain it as well as we could. We might have some gut microbiome, um, you know, shifts that have occurred and those can lead to cravings. So maybe we have a bit more of a yeast or a candida or some SIBO going on, low grade or something along those lines, or maybe it just has changed and that can affect our cravings or what we're wanting. Or maybe um, just, you know, neurotransmitters can impact all these things. Our mood, our blood sugar regulation, whether we're running high or low, whether we're super stressed, these can all affect our appetite. So recognizing and learning how to better recognize hunger cues is something we should work on. But we also need to recognize that 
they can be somewhat misguiding because of the scenario that our body is now in, in combination with our perception of things and how our mind and uh, stressors are interpreting and perceiving the scenario. So if we're in a scarcity place and we're very hungry and we're very low calorie and we're very low body fat, we might have a higher appetite and we might perceive that we need all the calories, all the foods right now. While it's good to recognize appetite cues and that our body needs nutrient, that maybe we need to put on some body fat, that maybe we're not in the best mental place right now, we also need to recognize that we're not in the best mental place right now. We don't have to lean into every suggestion that our body makes. We can thank our body, the additional voices, because it's kind of what they are, the suggestions. We can thank our body for those. Say, I hear you. Thank you for wanting to keep me safe and protecting me. I recognize where this is coming from. And kind of step back and say, what is this based on? Hmm. Do I need a certain nutrient? Have I not been taking my multivitamins? Maybe I need to take some more. Maybe there's a nutrient that is not in these that I'm lacking. Maybe it's chromium, magnesium. Um, Maybe I need to get my thyroid checked. Maybe I need to get blood work in general ran to see if there's somewhere that I need to focus on as I'm entering this phase. And so by hearing this voice and recognizing that it wants to take care of us, Our body wants to take care of us. Our reactions, our triggers, our self-soothing behaviors, while they might be bad at times, quote-unquote, they're also our body's way of taking care of a serious need that we may have been overlooking. And they might actually be beneficial for phases or periods of our lives. Meaning, even something as over-the-top as um, binge eating, overeating, excess caloric intake, whether it's healthy or unhealthy foods, that may, for a phase of our life, be a a means of self-soothing and correcting an, an imbalance or a lack of homeostasis in some area for our body. Hmm, okay. It could also be something where, you know, If we're super tired, we're going to have a higher appetite, but maybe we need to look at our thyroid. Maybe our gut health is a little bit off and our gut bacteria are, um, which they do, they can cause certain cravings. Or maybe we're not digesting food very well at all. Maybe our leptin and ghrelin are um, imbalanced and our body's kind of getting a miscommunication of signals of when to eat, what to eat, how much, even to the point of being very, very full but also be very hungry because maybe our our bowel movements, the motility speed, the digestive abilities, the amount of enzymes we have, the amount of bile our body produces, stomach acid levels, maybe those are all lower, but that that is another part of our system. And then maybe another part of our system, meaning our endocrine system, our hormones, or um, anything relating to our hypothalamic and pituitary axis, maybe something along those lines is sending a different signal saying, no, you should keep eating, keep eating, keep eating. We need the nutrients. So while you have eaten yourself bloated and full, 
it's not going anywhere. You're not digesting it. So you're very full, but still having an appetite. So that's where we kind of can learn to perceive and interpret and listen and maybe eat a little less and just understand that the phase after this phase we were in, we're still going to be hungry. We might have to still have the same habits and behaviors, meaning we might even still be doing a lot of cardio, um, but we do need to slowly taper and we do need to slowly work into a different direction. It might not be as fun, but instead of just throwing all our healthy habits out the window, we can use these cues and this conversation with our body and this recognition of what it's trying to tell us, especially if you're working with a coach and you are open, having open communication with them, um, having such positive reflections on the event with them and setting up a game plan for the future. If you are able to communicate, I'm experiencing these things. And even though I didn't listen to them or maybe I did a little bit, this is what I'm experiencing this is the, the kind of the clutter in the background, the, the background noise. This is what I'm hearing, and I'm, you know, it's kind of a daily humming and a constant, a constant thing. That can be a means of working with your coach to set up some goals to work towards. So maybe your goal is to improve your gut health. Maybe your goal is to take a look at your thyroid levels and really see if there's some lifestyle and nutrition changes that you can make to bring those numbers up. Maybe it means taking a look at your hormones and seeing, you know, tracking how those change over time or even implementing something. They might be able to to pick out something or ask the right questions like, okay, well, um, have you been super stressed? Have you been eating? Have you been drinking enough water? Did your salt consumption change? Um, You know, maybe let's start checking your blood glucose a little bit here and there with a finger prick and you can experience all these things even at a low weight. You can have your high blood sugar levels. You can have glucose dysregulation. Um, you know, even things like that might be what's going on, but maybe we need to take a look at your liver health. All of these things are things that we can look at in the long term and set up as other things we work on in this next phase while we focus on properly reversing out of the previous one. But if you have a... a mindset of abundance and that these are amazing goals that you're working on and all the achievements you made in the process and that the progress itself and you can enjoy saying I am so healthy right now or I'm so so my life is abundant my life has so many blessings this experience was a blessing whatever I went through was a blessing and I I'm so I enjoyed it so much and it impacted my life so much you kind of are just telling yourself so many things that you're not even that hungry. Or maybe you are, but you're so just grateful and distracted and, and content that you don't have to go find it either out of boredom and this searching and this just, hmm, I want to taste that, I want to taste that. Why the fuck not? Um, you know, just boredom exploring <laughs> that you can set long-term goals. You can get to the next goal quicker. You can reverse appropriately if you have some health things you work on that you need to work on. They're not as aggressive. They are, you know, you take a very logical and intuitive approach and you're just so much more in tune and in touch with your body as opposed to fighting against it, resisting, resisting your coach um, and leaning into those self-soothing behaviors that 
while they have good intentions, might lead us down the wrong track or worsen a scenario or um, just create more mindset hurdles that we have to overcome. And some of these changes, this, you know, maybe a little week of this here and there, it could impact our health for a lot longer and push that that next growth phase or that goal that we're aiming towards. Or maybe we don't even know what the goal is yet, but it's going to make it a lot harder to nail it down. It's going to push it a lot farther out. And it might even damage our interpersonal relationships with ourselves, our body, our gut, that gut feeling, that term is a real thing and then the relationship with those around us and all the behaviors that we discussed earlier might still come out so again a lot of these are just suggestions you don't have to follow through you don't have to be as strict you can be intuitive if that's hard for you start to implement some of the ones that you know saying to you that were more in alignment that seemed like they might be helpful to you um you know, pick and choose, create a plan, still have some, some, you know, balance, still have a lot of those good habits, you know, fall back on them. If you're starting to just want to eat too much, you know, fall back on your basics, make food a little bit boring for the time being, but enjoyable, if that makes sense. Make sure that it still tastes good and satisfying to you in the way you like it, but not as palatable and free rain grays and then just kind of start to sprinkle in and and let yourself know that it's okay to taste things and try things and just have a bite and be done with it share with the ones in your life um share bites of their food you know split an entree split an appetizer um you know don't be afraid to throw things in the freezer to box it up to give some some table scraps to your dog every now and then all of a sudden, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, these are not set in stone rules. You don't have to be as strict or stringent. Just create a good game plan. And I hope a lot of this has been helpful. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to myself. I'm on Instagram at that little buff chef. My name is Jacqueline Gwynn online is where you'll find me under that name or Jacqueline Thompson, either one. Gwynn is my middle name. And if you need any more recommendations, I will be taking on clients now. I've finished my master's in clinical nutrition, so I will be working with clients now and I am transitioning into that this year. So 2023 is going to be a big year for me. I'm going to be creating a lot of content. I'm going to be utilizing the tools and everything I've learned to help people in both competition, reversing lifestyle, clinical, whatever ways I can. If that means that we're going to go to the grocery store together or we're going to hop on Instacart together, I'm going to be helping you put stuff in your cart and compare nutrition labels you know, that's what we're going to do. So again, don't be afraid to reach out and we can set up a consultation or just feel free to pop by and let me know if this was helpful to you and if there's anything else you would like me to discuss. Have a great night. And again, thank you for listening. I feel so blessed to have borrowed some of your time and yeah, enjoy. Bye guys.